Welcome to episode 788 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 788 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Owls, Newsom's had a haircut. Had a haircut, gotten quick since we came out of lockdown, boom, yeah, Facebook did. message to the hairdresser, I'm in. I did as well, I was like, get it done. Mm. Get it was it bad timing, inside. going into, I, was, I needed one before we went into lockdown, and uh. it was like four weeks later, so anyhow, good to get done, good to be back in the studios. Back in the studios, wet day outside. It is a wet day. Overcast, misty, raining. Mm. Mm. Oh, people love the weather update. Okay, John, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our patrons. You go first. Chris Jetstream Doherty. We've got Guy Around the World Whitby. And John, I think it's actually Pike. Pike or John Reardon. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock you out. Pop quiz, who sang? No. Hello, Cool wasn't it? It was that movie. It was a good, good movie, that one. Okay, I am talking... Oh, no, we've done that. <laughs> news. We've all got coming up. So we've got some news. Got a hot topic of the week. Uh, interview. Great interview. I haven't actually heard it. Uh, we're talking to Taylor Spivey. I did this, I think, last week. So it was before the second round of Super League. If you don't know who Taylor Spivey is, she's uh, one of the hottest athletes on the ITU with her performances. Um, unfortunately, though, missed out on the Olympics despite being number one ranked athlete in the world. Um, Why? Just didn't do well in the qualifying well, races? No, she did do well in the qualifying races, but she one of those situations where you got a bit screwed over by the selection process. Um, we'll talk a bit more about that when oh, we go through. Okay. Coach's Corner, no Coach's Corner. We've got a couple of websites of the week. Uh, Wanger of the Week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, so we did have some racing happening over the weekend. We had Challenge Almere, uh, which is a pretty challenging race. Times-wise, I'm not quite sure where they would sit traditionally, John. So what, what was the kind of looking at the results? Was so this is a world, world Long Distance Triathlon Championships. So it's run by what used to be ITU. Uh, well, it's not run by them, but it's got their title attached to it. So effectively, these people can call themselves World Long Distance Champions. Uh, so Sarissa Devere, years uh, took out the females race she's raced this event most years bit of a regular on the the sort of long distance circuit and she took it out with an amazing day uh, she swam 53.31 biked 4.32.41 and ran a 3.01.49 to win by about two and a half minutes from Manon Guignet from France and Michelle good old Michelle Vesterby still going strong uh, finished in third place another what are the distances back. It's iron distance. Oh, is um, it? And I was thinking, no, normally the, the World Triathlon or ITU Long Distance Worlds is the yeah. sort of niece distance, like the 4K, 120K, 30. 30K. Yeah. But in this instance, they were tagging the event on to Challenge Almira, so it's basically an iron distance race. Um, I'm wondering if they used a different course, because the times are sensationally fast. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because Almere is normally pretty tough, isn't it? No, no. Oh, which one? oh what's the other one that you did? Uh, you're thinking of Embram Man. Yeah, that's what I am too. So no, this is normally a pretty fast course. However, this year it was particularly fast. Uh, and so I did a bit of Strava digging just to see if the course was accurate. It looks pretty close. Like okay. I looked at about maybe three files and the run, the, the bike was maybe about a K short of that, which is, you know, that's going to make a... 
a minute and a half to two yep. minutes dif- difference depending on how quick you're riding. And the run looked like it was a little bit short as well um, between sort of 500 and 1,000 metres. So, you know, you may be talking five minutes in total, but so an 8.32 is a sensational time. Uh, so well done to them. Start of times all around, but because in the female race you had, what, seven sub-nines and in the male race you had eight or seven sub-eights. Yeah, so Christian Hogenhau took that out. He swam a 49.44, rode a 4.03.15 and then ran a 2.41.38 to win by two minutes over Jesper Svensson, who's had some pretty good results uh, so far in the last year or so. And good old Ronaldo Colucci, still going strong. Uh, he finished in third in 7.45. There was a few other notable performances. Adam Hansen, former pro cyclist. And this is, puts in perspective how good triathlete cyclists are now Adam Hansen used to be very good um, world tour rider he rode a 402 so he did ride the fastest bike split but you know he rode 402 and the other top guys are riding 403 405 so goes to show how good a rider triathletes are there were some other big names that um, didn't finish you had uh, Dave McNamee pulled out at some stage um, on the bike he hasn't recorded a bike split and Andrew Starkowitz also pulled out on the bike somewhere um, so a bit of bugger that they couldn't uh be amongst it. We had quite a few 70.3s here. We had the Sunshine Coast. Let's fly through these. John, the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, so um, Hannah Wells from New Zealand was a favourite, but she only finished third. Yeah. Lottie, Lottie Wilms from the Netherlands took that out in 4.11. It looked like her first long-distance race she's ever done. She um, looks like she's a bit of an ICU athlete, but not a top one, so good on her. Nicholas Dufresne took out the men's race in 3.39. So both, all the Aussies got cleaned out and you think the Aussies would dominate, but they, first place went offshore and Josh Hamburg was second, Caleb Noble third. We also had challenge, I mean, sorry, uh, 70.3 Nice, uh, Nicholas Berg with a strong performance, takes it out. Yeah, I want to see if she goes hardcore at long distance. She's, th- I think she's 39 maybe now. Um, I'd love to see what she could do at Ironman. I think she's done maybe one Ironman, but... I don't think she's taken it super seriously. She took that out unsurprisingly. And then Kasper Stornis uh, from Norway won by seven minutes. And he put out some fighting talk before the race I saw. He said, you know, he did Ironman Frankfurt and he exploded on the run. I think he, oh, did he finish or not? Uh, he may have finished, he may not have. Let me have a quick look. No, he did not finish in Germany, but he was in the lead and he's a very good ITU athlete and a very good 70.3 athlete. And he said, yeah, they were lucky I got my nutrition wrong in that race. Otherwise, I kind of would have taken them out. So fighting talk, um, but another one of the Norwegians spanking it. So interesting, looking at Nicholas Berg's Ironman race, it was in 2014. Mm. She had a Cozumel won it after, you know, she won the Olympics in 2012. Didn't do a lot in 2013. Or no, this must, based on their results, she must have been racing surely. And I, I, I seem to recall she just did that race because she was kind of there. I think she might. I <laughs> As think, you do. I think. It was an amazing time. She only did 9.14. Yeah. You know, like, and Cosmo was not a fast race, is it? Uh, it's, it's just. It's just stock standard. Yeah. Um, you know, so it wasn't like it was an absolute, oh my God, this is a mind blowing performance. Um, you know, I have a feeling. Still, she won. I have a feeling that we're out there on a training camp and she's like, I'll just go and do an Ironman. Did she do? Make some money. But then, based on that, since that moment, she's only really done 70.3s because it seems like PTO only really has 70.3 and up other than the Olympics. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a challenge hearing. Uh, Lisa Gruss took that out and Thor Madsen took out the boys' race. Okay, PTO have announced that there's going to be a pro-am race happening in LA. Herbal Life Nutrition is now going to be the key sponsor of the the 
Los Angeles Triathlon, which is a, which has been around forever, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a, it's an Olympic distance race. I don't know about it. There's a hundred putting up hundred thousand dollars prize money, so great for the athletes. Um, just seems a bit odd that PTO may be going down the Olympic distance path, but I guess the pro am side of things, it's really not my cup of tea at all. So what's pro am? Well, you have professionals racing with amateurs and do sort of team stuff. So it's basically just oh, like golf. Fe- feel good stuff for, yeah, for getting some. Who gets to be the, um, is it just rich people who get to be the age groupers? It doesn't specify that. Or celebrities. So, yeah. So it's just, we just get all these press releases from PTO. They just keep doing things all the time, which is fantastic. If this gives them a little I'd bit of extra to, I'd coverage. I'd love to see their, their, their books. <laughs> yeah. I'd love, because the more I've been thinking about this, I'm, I'm really thinking, Where's the, where's, the, where's the model for money? Yeah. You know, like, now, hey, it's early days, and God, I hope they get it right, but I'm just, there's a lot of money <laughs> out the door. Um, I, I do have a question. It could be a discussion of the week. Do you think that if we weren't in COVID, they would have an age group race at Collins Cup? They didn't have a race anyway. Yeah, the next day. Did they? Mm. Oh, okay. Yep, yep they did. Uh, and, and they'll continue to do that attaching... Collins Cup to events. I don't think you'll see Collins Cups as a standalone because the other thing is, you know, they had the pro race the next day as well at the championship. And so that meant that all those reserves that were ready to race if required still had a race to do the next day. So yeah. um, I think they'll. Because if, definitely we, go, need to if do we look that. at the model Charles was talking about when we interviewed him, it's that kind of four big races a year, kind of like the Grand Slam model. Mm. And then if they had an age group race associated with each of those, mm. That's why they can bring money in, mm. you know, and not just kind of give it to challenge, but actually run it themselves and, and run it as a profit kind of thing for them. Because mm. a question you think about is, you know, if we look at Kona, it's a draw card for age groupers, and that's partly the history and all the rest of it. But if all the, you know, if you could go to a race where all the pros were, lots of age groupers would turn up. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. It's so a way. Now it's probably not going to bring the money in that they're hoping for in comparison to TV, but still. Um, big race coming up this weekend, guys. We've got the 70.3 World Championship. Now, is Fredino not racing? No, he is not. Oh, that's disappointing. So, whether or not he qualified or not, I'm not 100% sure because... No, but he's been a past champion, so surely they get five years. I don't know how it works with 70.3. You could be right. Not quite sure. But well, based on to, what they do with Ironman. Yeah, but you probably have to do a race to validate. I don't know if he's done a 70.3 in the last uh, well, let me look. period. So anyway, it should be an amazing race because it's a really cool course in St. George. Tough on the bike. Uh, very tough run course. And you've got lots of different dynamics here um, that could unfold. So I'm thinking probably the Norwegians are going to crush this. You've got Gustav Eden, defending champ, and he's shown he can do it on flat courses and on hilly courses. And you've got Christian Blumenfeld as well. Uh, so I think those two will be the favourites. And Alistair Brownlee is on the start list. I'm, I don't think he's racing because he did some massive big gravel race uh, or ride last weekend or the weekend before. Um, so you've got, you've got some, some of the ITU fast dudes and you've got other ones that will be up the road like Rudy Von Berg. Javier Gomez is down to race, whether he is or not, I'm not quite sure, but he's on the start list. And you've got Daniel Beckengard who will be right up there after the swim. And then you're going to have the non-swimmers um, with Sam Long and Lionel Sanders and co-, and co to see whether or not they can actually ride up to them. So normally in a 70.3 they will ride up to them. At a World Championships, it's often a slightly different story. Just because so, you get a bit more of a fast peak in front of them. Mm, so I suspect that um, it's going to be Norwegian. One, two would be my prediction. Um, love to see Lionel Sanders or Sam Long um, be up there. But I think they'll, even if they do catch them on the bike, they're going to have to put a pretty healthy uh, lead into them going into the run to stand any chance against those two. What about the female face race? Females race, uh, I think it's probably more exciting than the guys race because yeah, look at that lineup. 
you've got Taylor Nib versus Daniela Reef versus Lucy Charles. So Taylor Nib is the hottest thing at the moment yep. on the earth after her Collins Cup performance. Daniela Reef is, you know, the best of the current crop consistently. However, she had one bad race at the Collins Cup. And, and she was apparently sick. sick. And everyone's riding her off, but her performances at St. George, I think it was earlier this year, was just off the charts and she absolutely smashed everybody. And Lucy Charles, you know, continues to be awesome and her, her run seems to have improved quite a bit. So... Yeah, I think this could be amazing because Lucy Charles will be first out of the swim. Taylor Nibs a good swimmer. She'll be behind her, but she could quite conceivably ride up to her and whether Lucy Charles can, can hang on to her on the bike would be awesome and that's going to mean Daniela Reef um, will have to sort of TT up to them as well and even if it comes down to the running race, race between those three, I don't know who you'd put your money on. It'd be awesome. And then behind them, you've got that next clutch of really good athletes with Paula Finlay on her day is amazing, Holly Lawrence, Jenny Metzler, Chelsea Sodaro, Emma Pallant-Brown. Um, so yeah, wicked field. Definitely world championship um, standard, both on the men's and the women's. Are you, are you gutted for dinner? Is not there? Oh yeah, it's always great to see him race. Because I, was, I saw like, like last time we did a seventy point three, like an Ironman branded one, was in August nineteen. My oh no, August the eleventh, twenty nineteen. Now would that qualify him? Because um, he's a previous world champion. Would, yeah. would they count that as last calendar year? It's kind of on that borderline, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. August is on the borderline. I think it probably would have done. Yeah, because he's, he's basically, if you look at from there, he's done Challenge Miami, or he did Hawaii, Miami, Challenge Grand Canera, um, Tri Battle, and Collins Cup. Mm. Guy's a champion, man. <laughs> you look mm. down his line of his results. So basically, from 2015 onwards, so he came into long distance and, well, he did a couple. Well, he wasn't, yeah, he kind of came into long distance around about 2014. Did well in 70.3, did Ironman Germany, did Hawaii. You know, kind of second and third in Hawaii. And then from there forward, he's only one second. He got a second in Lanzarote? Yeah, that was a validation race. Uh, he, still, he got beaten by Jesse Thomas. That's right. Um, and it wasn't a, an amazing throw performance. So t- take your hat off to Jesse Thomas. He beat the guy on the day. But I think it was more of a, uh, he wasn't at his best game. So and since maybe. 2015, he's undefeated. Mm, yeah, it's awesome. Or at least in the races they've got here on the PTO. Mm. What a beast. Beast indeed, and it would have been amazing to see him up against the young guys that are coming through because at Collins Cup, Gustav Eden's time and his time were pretty close. No, that's, uh, that's, that's yeah. you know, like so. again, you've got an awesome lineup, and it is a world championship lineup. Just would be cool if he was here as well. Mm-hmm. But in, anyway, we've got Ironman Austria coming up, a traditionally fast race. Very fast, traditionally short as well. <laughs> that helps. Which is what helps. Uh, Patrick Nielsen, who's been had a good season so far, is the top seed. And with all these start lists, it's hard to know who's going to rock up. Nils Filmholm's down there as well. Rasmus Svenningsen, Andy Buschera uh, on the female side. Uh, you got Laura Phillip. She's been bloody racing like, Heaps and heaps. Lisa Norton, she's got an asterisk next to her name. So we'll just see what the results pop out next week. What about any other races coming up? Um, we've got a couple of other ones, uh, non-branded races. We've got we've got two beer races this weekend, Bevan. We've got the Beer Lake Brawl. Oh, the old beers are out. Lake Town, Utah, United States. And then the Beer Man Extreme, which is in France. And Sam Laidlow, who we talked to a couple of months ago, maybe. Uh, his father is the race director. He's involved with it. So he's an up-and-coming iron distance athlete from France, originally from Great Britain. Uh, very, very 
very tough race. And you've also got the Wataha Extreme in Poland. And there is also a few non-pro Ironman races on this weekend. You've got one in Maryland in the States and one in Italy. Okay, I always John's on to your update. So you've been watching a bit of Super League. So you watched, did you watch the race last week? Which I Hayden. did. Yes, I did. So that was uh, London and awesome racing. Very exciting. If you still haven't watched it, go and check it out. It is good. It, it is the best product, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Great. It's Everything really about it is great. Mm. The commentary is great. Mm-hmm. And the package is good. It's fascinating racing. Mm-hmm. I was saying to John... I'm not quite sure if the, the the short shoot is a good thing. So if you haven't watched a short shoot, it's, can, you can kind of win it at different parts of the race. And it basically so if you let's say you do cut. the fastest swim, you get a, a, the advantage of the short shoot. Mm. And it cuts maybe three or four seconds off Well, it depends because in Hayden's race, it was it put mm. 40 metres on him, didn't it? Yeah. So it's, it gives you a little shortcut. And at the standard that they're at, if you're with running with others and you're all about the same, there's no way you can beat somebody with a short shoot. Yeah, and um, so like, for example, last week, I won't talk about this week's race, but last week's race, Hayden was coming in with uh, Louis. Vincent Louis. Vincent Louis. Yeah. Uh, and it was shoulder to shoulder and Hayden does a short shoot, game over. Mm. And, uh, like, and it, like, I get it, it's kind of quirky and cool, mm. but I would just rather see a sprint finish. Mm. You know, yeah. and, it, and it took that away from it and I'm mm. not quite sure if that's, if anything, it hurts the spectacle. So I think it's got its time and place and... But in the last two races we've had, it hasn't really worked very well. And yeah. it has had the potential to spoil both races. I think Hayden would have won that one anyway. Yeah, but you don't, you don't know. know. Yeah. And then, if it, we won't mention names, but a similar thing happens in the men's race uh, at the weekend. And, um, yeah, but what it does encourage in some of the other formats that they have... Is, is you've got to take some risks. Is you've got to push the first race. So, for example, in some of the races, they do sort of three, the eliminator where they have three back to back races. Yep. Um, and it's a process of elimination. Yeah, you could just cruise the first one and and just sort of get through and the last five athletes get eliminated. But if you've got that motivation in the short shoot, then you're going to push it a bit more so you actually see some better racing in the first couple of rounds. But yeah, I'm like with you. I'm thinking, uh, What's a better way of doing it then? Uh, just get rid of it. Um, but I think what they're doing now with the, the preems and having swim preems yeah, that's and having, maybe a, bit of having a team's aspect of it, uh, the team names are a bit silly if you ask me. But <laughs> and anyway, the logos. The, sorry, but the, the cheaters. Yeah. Oh, here come the cheaters. Oh no, they're quite honest people. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the short shoot. So is the team dynamic because I haven't really been keeping an eye. Is the team dynamic really even important? Well, it helps with prize money at the okay. end. So that's for some of the weaker athletes, it is for the top guys. Don't think it makes any difference. But for example, in, Hay- in Hayden Wild's team, he's got another Kiwi in there, Taylor Reed, who's a very good swimmer. So Taylor Reed is just given it to try and get that short shoot and try and get swim points because okay. that'll mean his team's going to finish higher up which means he'll get some more prize money okay. so I think for the less, lesser athletes maybe it is but for the top guys I but as a spectacle much. so you're saying for the races there's a, there is a performance bonus if your team does well but as a spectacle are you really committed to a team no not at all yeah because how do they because like, the problem is how do they build team loyalty mm. You know, it's, it's a bit like um, the, the, what's the, what's the cricket league they have in India? The IPL. The IPL. Like, no Kiwi cares about one team. No, it's just like what Kiwis and what team. You know, mm. but it, but we're not that committed to it. Whereas, like an NRL or your local rugby league, you want to support your local team. So, how do they build that team aspect in where fans would actually be supportive of? Do they do a bit more kind of nationality based teams? Yeah, well, I think that's one way of doing it. But because next year, if they go the same model, the team's going to be completely different. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a yeah. Well, they're, they're trying stuff, which is great. Um, mm. yeah, these are things are all tweaks, but overall, to me, 
by far the best for a triathlon product. Yeah, so Munich was last weekend, so watch it. It was a uh, diff- slightly different format. They did a bike time trial first, uh, and whatever your time was there, that gave you a slight advantage going into a, like a double super sprint triathlon back-to-back. What's cool about these races uh, in the Super League is the swimmers get rewarded quite often for being good swimmers. Oh, in, the, good. in the past, you don't, and you get really nullified. Yep. And, and also at the weekend, they had a bike TT, so if you were an axe on the bike, You've got, got a little advantage. And the, the courses are so compact that if you are really strong on the bike, you can put the hurt on people more so than a sort of standard world triathlon race. So Did you know, like, that. Well, like I'm saying, I think it's a bit spectacle. What do the athletes think of it? Well, you listen. You guys will be listening to Taylor Spivey. They um, later on, they all love it, but it makes the season quite long. Okay, and, and it's tough. Yeah, for her and in her instance, you know, an Olympic year. I think they're all pretty fatigued, so yep. it's not something that they necessarily going to ever peak for. I don't think you okay. want to go the best form you've got, but I'd say if you said to them, "What's more important, World Triathlon Series or Super League?" They're generally going to say World Series because you've got a lot of money pegged to that through your national federations, Olympic qualifying, world rankings, all that sort of stuff. So in today's race, and we won't reveal anything here, but Alex, you, did they say you were doing a two thirty six? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're pretty quick, those dudes. Pretty quick, yeah. 236. Yeah. Oh, my God. So coming uh, up this weekend, you've got yeah. Jersey. Um, this will be quite interesting because the weather's often crappy there and it's definitely going to be cooler. Uh, and they're doing an enduro format, which is three super sprint triathlons back-to-back. So swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. No um, breaks in between. And, yeah, it might be a bit fresh going back into the water. The other thing with all these courses I've had and with Jersey, is they often have them downtown or areas in there's cobbles and stuff. And if it's wet, holy crap, oh, yeah, of course. it is scary stuff. Because Vincent Louis was actually wearing, uh, using thicker tyres, I was saying in today's right. race. Yeah, he was actually using, I'm not quite sure if they were the, the ones that maybe they have on the hybrid bikes. Yeah, um, just probably a little bit wider. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, okay, John, well, let's go into this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was, are there too many formats of triathlon to, for the general public to actually fall in love with? So the question how it was written was, there are so many formats in triathlon right now. Triathlon right now. Super League, Ironman, seventy point three, World Champion, uh, World Triathlon, Sub Seven and Eight, Collins Cup, and many more. Does this diversity stop our sport from getting a consistent mainstream media coverage? You go first, John. Angus Boyd says variety is great. Each format pushes the other to innovate and do something better. Look at the press conference of the Collins Cup and pay and the pay the athletes get from the Collins Cup and Super League. Look how uh, happy the athletes are to cop some cash from both new formats. If you want to introduce introduce new formats or progress an exciting format, you can you have to innovate, which ends up being a better product for us and TV. Compare Collins Cup and Super League, even. Uh, and even Lionel versus Frodo to what Triathlon have produced in the last 10 years. Uh, Tim Ford's got, no, I think the variety is good and maybe eventually one will come out as the one that finally breaks through to the mainstream. I think there's a lot more room for innovation too. Uh, Tim Tansley, none of those individual types of triathlon are big enough on their own to hold mainstream media coverage. I think the solution is to make the sport broader rather than deeper as a package. One series, uh, one would one world series that includes sprint, multi-event, Olympic, 70.3, Ironman, next year events, and one world champion who is the best all-round athlete, the best of the best. That's optimistic thinking, but I love the idea. Yeah. Hayden Goldsack's got more than anything. It confuses mainstream media who don't follow the sport, but it's not just triathlon. We have people calling a 10K run a marathon as well. True. 
I agree. And that's what bugs me a bit about when you have Ironman 70.3. The amount of times people have yeah. say, I've done Ironman, it's like, no, that's a half Ironman. Mm. But I get it. Uh, Sean Green, golfers match play, best ball, Ryder Cup, skins game, stroke play, and very much modified stable fort. Seems pretty popular. Uh, Paul McMahon, McMahon, I think it is McMahon, uh, has got here. Triathlon is still a very niche sport. That being said, I think Super League and maybe the Collins Cup are on the money for growing viewers and interest in the sport. Ironman is less for uh, for is more for those who are fans. The average sport viewer is not going to be interested. They need to invest so much time. Plus, it's not a spectacular enough. Uh, Matthew McCallica. Uh, no, it isn't like triathlon really ever got much mainstream media coverage, particularly particularly after the novelty of Iron Man wore off. Definitely, that's a good point. The, uh, the novelty of Iron Man has gone. You know, people. You, well, then nowadays there's so many other options as well because now ultra running. Yeah. You know, like Iron Man was kind of the first endurance event outside of running. The yeah. marathon became the first, and then yeah. Iron Man became this endurance people event. People think you're crazy you're doing Iron Man. Yeah. Now you, people say you don't Iron Man. Oh, they think you're a little bit nuts, but they don't go. Oh. Well, you got multi, and there's just so many more old mm. crazy stuff, isn't there? Christopher Dora's got. There's no such thing as bad plus publicity. Um, it's actually true. That's not true because if that's not good, that statement is kind of not true. Anything that gets triathlon sport into the news, bring it on. But I agree with that. Shane Chubb, uh, the Collins Cup and Super League got national New Zealand coverage, uh, news, news coverage. Uh, Collins Cup, see, this is the thing uh, the Collins Cup got coverage in New Zealand, not really because of the Collins no, Cup. No, it's because they've branded well. It's because. Sorry, it's called Braden did well, and because he was he, he was Braden Curry and most but they did of, give the coverage of his performance, mm, but they can't get back into New Zealand yeah, through was, our was um, quarantine story. system, and so that gave it a, a, another angle. Uh, Hayden, but in New Zealand, the Super League did get coverage because Hayden Wild has become a bit of a rock star. But and, and it's, uh, New Zealand, you get coverage if New Zealand did as well. Mm. You know, like it anywhere like, else in the world, Super League ain't making BBC coverage. Yeah, like, uh, Maybe Hayden won. It got on the sports news. Last weekend's race, which I don't want to give away the results. Might <laughs> <laughs> just give him away. Hayden doesn't win. Um, he didn't get on the news last night. Okay, Braden John Murray's got. I think it's all positive, evolving, and positively evolving. And these organisations are trying to pop their heads in and be noticed. Perhaps the future will have some more uniformity that will enhance things. But for now, it's definitely on the improve. Yeah, that's about all I've got, I think. Um, you got any others you want to do there, Bevan? Uh, James Thomas has got maybe the media, I can assume, but uh, there's more, no, almost no triathlons coverage on any of them. Um, some Olympics and Ironmans, but that's about it. I think the question we're going to ask for is what's the best we can hope for? Yeah, and that's getting it on. I think getting it on the sports platforms like Eurosport in New Zealand. We have Sky Sports because... Triathlon is not going to be making your mainstream media, and mainstream media is changing all the time anyway. I mean, how many people sit down and watch your yeah. your, your regular good old TV stations? So, I think any coverage is is good coverage. The reason I put the question out there, I was just thinking but, about. Okay, it, so but let's look at the questions because I think the first thing you got to go is think back 10, 10, 12 years ago. There was no innovation in the sport. Mm. You know, you had you had the I half Ironman, Ironman, Olympic distance. That's pretty much it, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So when you look at you know the list of names you've got there of different types of races that are trying to make it, there's there's definitely lots of people trying to crack it, mm. you know. And when we think of what's the best we can hope for, Collins Cup have defined it as Joe Public will be at least have a basic interest in that. Mm. I think that's pretty ambitious. Yeah, when you think about all the other cool sports in the world as well, trying mm. to do the same thing, mountain biking. Something. I think I, I think the real key is we've got to find out Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Because you think of sports that have 
and, and we're probably going to do a better job of selling our Michael Jordan. Mm. You know, because when you think of like Tony Hawk, mm. when you think of there was a, I can't remember who, some BMXer who was like the best BMXer. And you know everyone kind of knew BMXing then, and I think you need you need your Tiger Woods, and I and well yeah, Fredino's about as good as it's going to get. Yeah, but we need to build the better story. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you know, like and because people love a superstar, mm. you know, if we can get that, so, and and that's probably one of the things that works against the sport because we have different formats. Mm. Maybe you're never going to get a Tiger Woods. Mm. You know, you're going to get Brownlee, and you know, in his period, which was the short course guy, and then you're going to have Fredino right now. But maybe that's one of the things that works against the sport is that you, you're just not going to get that one person who can dominate everything. But we, we've got to, what we've got to do is try to look at it from a different perspective because we all, all of us listening to this are all athletes and we're kind of invested in this. And yeah, but what draws people in? I know, that's, what, that's Joe Public out there. What does draw them in? I don't know. Yeah. But what, what's a sport that maybe you've watched when you've... Like, crashes. Oh, we need to put some tax down on the road. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tour de France, Vuelta, things like that, when they get coverage on New Zealand's news, it's because there's been a big pile-up. Yep. That's or what, that's, that well. the, the, Then they'll show the finish or something like that, but you need that angle to, to come in. To me, it's, it's amazing rivalries. You know, because I, if I think of when am I ever interested in watching a sport that I'm not really that into, because for me, my sporting viewing time is going to go league, rugby, cricket, and a little bit of triathlon. Mm. You know, and it's mainly because I'm you know, doing a show, really, because I don't know if I'd watch a huge amount of triathlon if I wasn't doing this. Um, you know, so my, that's my sporting viewing time. That's where I'm going to spend most of it. Occasionally, I watch a big thing in some other sport. Mm. So, like, I did watch Nadal and um, Dokovic at the French Open final. Because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be an awesome game. And maybe I was on holiday because it kind of worked. I'll kind of watch an NBA final game if it's pretty good. I will watch a Super Bowl final if it seems it's good. So the occasion there's these moments where I watch something of a sport. And it's like, I watched the Super Bowl last year because it was Brady versus the young guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the oldest. So there's a real good, you know, kind of story that goes around it. And to me, that's, you know, how do we create, you know, like the, I did like what they did with um, Sanders and Keenley, that kind of, that rivalry mm-hmm. they showed, you know, that kind of stuff. So to me, it's, You've got to create these rivalries that can get perk interest in other people, and then and maybe the superstar. And for me, it's quite different because um, all those sports you mentioned, I don't think I've ever watched a basketball game in its entirety. But I've do you ever watch a sport a, that you don't watch? Yeah, but but I was, I, I'd say Other I, than I, the I want to see a thirty second highlight of, the, of things like that. I'm interested to know who won the Super Bowl, who won the boxing match, who won. Yeah, I watch you boxing. Know, I watch a certain like boxing that. match. Yeah. But I want that in, in less than a minute. But do you? Uh, but do you ever go? You know, what, I'm going to watch that and actually end up watching another sport. Very, very rarely. Okay. See, very I will. I, I am. probably in a year when you think. Let's say there's 100 percent of my time. 90 percent of it's in my key sports, and then there'll be the 10 percent where I watch a boxing match. But it'll literally be like one boxing match. Like if if who's the big fury and um, Anthony Joshua? Yeah. If that happens. I'm watching it. Mm. You know, like I will commit to something like that. Any other boxing match, don't give a crap about. Mm. So, but. You know, for me, that's how do we get that? That's probably the, the opening of the door. It's a tough good crack, isn't it? Yeah, it really is Very a tough, tough. Good crack. And to me, of the of them right now, Super League's best for. And and probably that's the problem is that as you said, and you, when we speak to Taylor later on, hmm. um, Super League's kind of an afterthought for athletes at the moment. Hmm. Whereas pr- probably should be the dominant player in format. Hmm. You know, if we are trying to expand to you know, because if it's a TV product. Mm-hmm. 
that's one that to me has got the best chance. So interesting discussion. Okay, this week's discussion. John, what do you got here? If Ironman had organised the World Championships for the pros, we know that Kona's been cham- uh, cancelled or postponed. Uh, if they'd organised the World Champs for the pros on the same weekend as Kona was due to be held, would it have had the same appeal to you? So if it had been at a different location, had they said, right, Kona's off, we're going to go to Ironman Arizona and we're going to have a pro race there and that's going to be this year's world championship. Um, do you think it would have felt like a hollow victory for the pros and do you have any other comments? Now, and this is just a pro-only race, it wouldn't have been age groupers? Uh, it would have been age groupers but at okay. a different location, different okay. venue. I've actually got to change that in the text there, Bevan, before you put it up there. Yeah. Is, yes, if they'd moved the world champs for this year to a different location, what would you have felt about that? Okay, this is discussion. John, we've got an interview. We have. So Taylor Spivey, she ranked number one in the world last year or last sort of season um, in terms of the rankings. Her world ranking from this year, I think, is number three. And she didn't uh, get to go to the Olympics. Didn't get to go to the Olympics. That she is raced, stupid. She raced insanely well in all the lead-up races. So up until the start of this year, America had, by their selection policy, had already automatically selected two athletes because they had two designated races okay. and... Um, the first athletes, if they finished in yep, whatever they the top yep. position, they were going. So was the third a discretionary pick? The third was a more of a discretionary spot. Uh, and it came down to Taylor Spivey, who you're going to hear from here, and Katie Zaveris. And Katie Zaveris, for those that don't follow World Triathlon very closely, up until last year, she's won the World Championship. She was one of the most dominated, one of the dominators in the last few years. You know, you're going into a race, you're going... Katie Zaveris is probably going to win this, or she's I can't remember results. definitely going to go in the Olympics. She got silver. Okay. So that so in, at the end, Taylor Spivey on form was a better athlete, and Katie Zaveris at the start of this year was so far off the pace it wasn't even funny. She lost her father um, right. earlier yeah, in the year, okay. right, and yeah. she was just way off form. Like, and they decided to pick her in front of Taylor Spivey, who at that time was on form, was doing really top performances but they went for the one who'd had more better past performances. Okay, let's get into this interview. I'm, I'm fascinated. Here we go. Righto, team. Uh, for those of you that follow short course racing, um, whether it be Super League, whether it be the World Triathlon Series, you're going to know today's guest. For those of you that don't, you probably should be because it's uh, an awesome spectacle. So Taylor Spivey's on with us today. She's currently actually ranked number one in the world, uh, number three on the World Triathlon Series rankings, and she's one of the most consistent performers on the circuit. So welcome along to the show, Taylor. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, before we start hitting up about triathlon sort of questions, um, maybe g- give us a bit of a one-minute summary of your of sort of life before getting into being a pro triathlete and sort of where you've come from. Um, okay. Life before triathlon was very different. Um, well, in the sense that it didn't involve any triathlon, <laughs> but yeah. it was still a very active lifestyle. Um, I grew up racing surf life-saving in the summer and focusing on academics during the school year and um, at university I still had never done a triathlon until my um, last year Um, so my life has changed a lot but initially my plan was to be an architect I studied architecture and I also swim, swim at university while competing in uh, surf lifesaving in the summer in both national and world's competitions um, for the U.S. And um, somehow when I studied abroad, I came across triathlon because I wanted to 
stay fit while I was in Florence, Italy. And uh, I did a race before I left and uh, coach saw my result and sought me out. And the rest, I guess, is history. If it wasn't for him, I would not be doing the sport um, at this level today. That's for sure. So you, so you didn't get recruited through, because I know the um, the triathlon recruitment system in the States is pretty, pretty strong. Um, so it was pure sort of randomness rather than actually getting recruited through the system. Yeah, I did um, a race and this coach, Greg Miller, he saw my results and he saw that I was a good swimmer and he recruited me himself to be my coach. And he really um, eased me into the sport because I was still finishing off my college degree and um, didn't know where this would take me because most of the uh, collegiate recruits are actually collegiate runners and I was not a runner. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm like, I'm definitely an outlier in the sense of I don't come from the same background as most of the successful U S triathletes, both on the men and women's side. Yeah. I've, Oh, I've been told that your your mum was a, a former pro triathlete, so you're obviously probably pretty familiar with the sport because um, we had a question in from Steve Diodonna saying, at what age did you first beat your parents? But maybe that's not so applicable, but maybe tell, <laughs> t- tell us about your mum and, um, and what she did and, and if you ever did get to race against her. Yeah, my both of my parents actually did triathlon. Uh, my mom was a professional athlete a triathlete and my dad was a pretty good age grouper and they both competed in Ironmans and that's how they met um but my mom pretty much stopped when I was really young so I or stopped doing triathlon she still swims every day and she absolutely loves swimming but um in terms of triathlon yeah both of my parents pretty much stopped when I was at a very young age so I I really didn't, I wasn't involved in the sport. I really didn't know much about it. I didn't know anything about um, IT racing. um, And I kind of only knew a little bit about long course racing, but yeah, it was all very new to me, despite the fact that my parents have a long history in this sort of triathlon. Yeah. So Super League's um, kicking into action. Yeah, you've raced, uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be after you've had round two in Munich, um, but you've had round one in London. Um, look, it's it's obviously really intense racing. Um, try, to, try to put it into perspective for age groupers, you know, comparing it doing a Super League type race to say an Olympic or, a, you know, and maybe a non-drafting race um, and, and how different it is. Oh, wow. It's so different. It's um, full on from the start and everything's just so short that there is no room for error. And this past weekend in London, I made a lot of little mistakes and I just wasn't very on. I've been pretty tired since the Canada races. So um, when you're not feeling your best and you make these little mistakes in a, a normal Olympic distance race, I think you can kind of make up for it um, because the races are a lot longer. Um, But in this format, there's absolutely no room for error and you need to make sure you have all all the little details down because if you don't, um, it slowly adds up and that's pretty much what happened to me in um, London this past weekend. But somehow I managed to hang in there and finish sixth. Yes. It was not easy. (laughs) 
Sure. Um, the form, I remember that I'm not sure if you were at the very first one in Hamilton Island um, several years ago or not, but the format's changed. No, I wasn't. No, but the format's changed quite a bit over the last few years, um, and for obvious reasons, last year with with the indoor stuff. But um, it's sort of changed from being like a almost a two and a half day format now, just being one race or like at the weekend it was you know a little series of races. Um, was the old version where not that you did the very first one, but do you think that was sustainable for the athletes where you were racing, you know, two and a half days and doing sort of three races on each of those days? It must have been um, absolutely brutal and on top of what, you know, an already a long season. So was that old version sustainable? Um, I think the old version was sustainable because the races were spaced out more. So it wasn't like this season's races. We have four races and they're four week or every weekend for four weeks. So I don't think racing two days in a row for four weeks <laughs> is sustainable. Yeah. Um, I think you would see a lot of athletes get injured, especially being an Olympic year and being that this is at the end of the season. But in the past, I think it was sustainable since it was spread out um, with, weeks or months in between each race um yeah and um it's a it's an awesome spectacle and you just kind of mentioned there for 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 the spectators it's an awesome spectacle but for you guys um how easy is it to stay motivated for the whole season you know um because you know the world triathlon series in normal years is you know it makes for a long season you've got probably other commitments i'm not sure if you race for a french club or anything like that but there's other other races that maybe the general triathlon public don't see and then this is tacked on at the end so um is it very easy to stay motivated all the way through the end of the season or does it get trickier once you pass sort of the world champs finale and and so on i think it's pretty tricky to stay motivated by as the season goes on but I think what's exceptionally difficult with this year is um you know with COVID last year a lot of athletes were preparing for the Olympics and then you know that was postponed a year and so it's almost felt at least for me like a two-year long season Mm. which makes you know this last bit exceptionally Difficult, at least for me, from from my experience, um, you know, kind of trying to qualify for the U.S. team and pushing, um, adding another year on top of that, and um, yeah, and all the other things that came along with, um, you know, COVID restrictions and going to races um, and having to quarantine at most of these races. Um, it just feels so much longer and this year especially seems to be dragging on a bit, but at least the super league environment is fun and a lot more relaxed um, and not quite as high stress as a a normal world series race. So that's good. Only only three weeks to go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What was the, the ITU or not ITU world triathlon as it's called now, you know, they sort of tried their hand this season at doing a, a, you know, elimination sort of super sprint type race. Um, Is that something you'd like to see them doing more of um, or do you prefer to have sort of super league looking after that super sprint domain and and world triathlon sticking to the sort of bread and butter of um, more traditional sort of formats? 
Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I I think I like the idea of Super League being Super League and World Triathlon being World Triathlon, but I do understand that they're trying to make um, this sport be more entertaining and more dynamic and maybe have different people at the front. Um, so I, I understand why they're doing it. And, um, you know, they did a good job with the first one and I think they're feeling it out. But I think if I could you know, pick something that World Triathlon might do to like spice it up a little bit would be to potentially have different types of courses, like, Mm. um, like, a two courses that involves like a lot of climbing or long climbs, a really technical course. Um, one that was more like, I don't know, just like kind of different styles of, uh, I guess, um, different formats on Mm. the bike that would you know cater to different athletes strengths so that you would really mix things up um both in the sprint and olympic distance so that could add something but in terms of you know the short fast hard racing i i uh i don't know personally i would prefer super league to just stay super league (laughs) yeah so we, we had a question from Chrissy McKinlay um, asking, what's your, your favorite distance? Is it sort of the Super League? Is it like Super Sprint, Sprint or, or Olympic? Um, I don't think I have a favorite distance, but I think that it's hard to prepare for, you know, a Super Sprint when you're also preparing for an Olympic. I think it's easier for me to prepare for one when, when they're kind of spaced apart during the year. Yeah. Um, but when I'm on and like, I feel really sharp, I prefer the shorter distances, but um, I also think that the Olympic distance suits me well, especially as I um, get older <laughs> as an athlete, I think my um, engine is pretty strong and uh you know, a two hour race suits me mm, nice. better these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the Olympics obviously didn't happen for you, which was a bloody a, a debacle because, you know, you're, you're currently ranked number one in the world. You'd had an awesome season, but America is a powerhouse and you didn't get picked. So it, it, talk, talk us through that process. Was the process handled well? And, and did you think it was fair? Because from the outside, it looked pretty harsh but the selectors were in a tricky position so maybe talk talk us through the process and and how it all sort of unfolded from from your point of view yeah um that was definitely like a difficult um month for me or it's been a difficult few months I guess um I think that well I hope that um, USA triathlon and a lot of the federations, not just my own, um, learned a lot from this last year, um, in terms of selection and adding an additional year with COVID. I think that a lot of the alterations to criteria weren't really, um, appropriate given the circumstances. I think a lot of things should have been done differently, um, because the way the criteria was written favored, you know, a normal racing year with 
like two years of um, racing considered beforehand. So it um, really, the, the addition of the extra year really changed everything. But I think there were also a lot of flaws in our criteria, along with other countries to begin with. I've read a lot of countries' criteria and some do it really well and you know, a powerhouse like ours, I would expect, you know, ours to be the best. And it, it really has a lot of flaws. For instance, um, say you have the Tokyo test event. Um, that race was a standard Olympic and the 5k was, or the 10k was shortened to a 5k. Mm. So that's not a normal Olympic distance race, right? But mm. it's still counted as auto, an auto qualification race, which in a lot of other countries' criteria, it wouldn't have. Um, also, the event of a major crash in the race, taking out, you know, some of the race favorites, also would have been considered. So there are a lot of flaws because I think this criteria favors someone having a one-off race one day, but I don't think an athlete having a that has a one-off race one day is the athlete that's going to perform at the Olympics. Um, I think the criteria should take into consideration that things happen and races change and distances can change in races and those races shouldn't count. Um, and it should be more based on, you know, the best of three out of six races. So you can leave room for, for these um, out of, I guess, situations that are out of the athlete's control. They're sick. Mm-hmm. They're, they crash in a race, um, something happens in their family. Uh, for me personally, my luggage didn't arrive in Yokohama. We were in quarantine. I didn't have enough food oh, <laughs> for the whole week. I couldn't order Uber Eats. I rode other athletes' bike and developed some back pain because of it. And I just barely missed that second auto qualification spot. Um, So it's, it's flawed criteria and I'm hoping that I can help change it for the better because I'm perfectly content with knowing that, you know, the best athletes go, but go to the Olympics and represent the U S team. But I don't think that was the case this year. And I really think it was, you know, a big mistake on their part. How how did you feel watching the, the race or did you watch the race and how did you feel watching it and and obviously um katie zaveris did extremely well and the relay did so did uh, how did you feel watching it oh watching it was i very difficult and especially because i knew i would have been right there you know contending mm. not only for a relay on the u.s mixed team relay but also in the individual race mm. um so yeah i was really happy that katie medaled in both events i think there was a lot of pressure put on her um but i also think that the world ranked the number one world ranked athlete in you know 2019 and um you know like i and the olympic the highest olympic ranked athlete should have been the first athlete to be picked not the last and it should have never come between me and her it should have been her first you know, maybe me second, who knows, but yeah, yeah, I was really happy that she performed to her ability given, you know, the rough lead up she had to the game. 
So we had a question from Toby Schnell, and he said, uh, how has it impacted your relationship within the team? Because, um, yeah, you've obviously got, you know, the selectors one side of this um, situation and then the athletes on the other side. So has it sort of impacted uh, the, how the, the team dynamic at all so far this year or post-Olympics? Um, I think there's definitely been some tension. Um, but from my perspective, I don't blame the athletes. I blame the people writing the criteria and the people who don't really you know, take into consideration all of these other things, especially if they don't know the sport of triathlon very well. Um, So I, it's for sure been a bit awkward at times, but I think that a lot of the athletes who went to the Olympics also feel like they have something to prove and, you know, to race well against me. And it's, it's kind of funny um, because I've never felt this before. Yeah. Um, as for me, I also feel the pressure to perform, but I'm also, you know, pretty emotionally uh, exhausted and yeah. and physically. Like, I just because I didn't race the games doesn't mean I didn't go through all that prep. Not only one year out from the games, but you know, two years out from what we thought was going to be the games. So. Um, hasn't been easy. <laughs> no, I bet. Edward, Edward Wong's got a question. Um, is your plan to try to make it to Paris in three years' time? And if so, any any changes to how you approach things? Um, yeah, my goal is to make the next Olympic team. Um, that would be a dream come true. But I also know that there's a lot more to the sport than you know just the olympics because i've seen a lot of athletes come away with disappointment because if you're not meddling like you're you're coming home pretty bummed at the end of the day yeah so um once this season is over my goal is to like take care of some of the niggles i have (laughs) and um just focus on you know getting a full on reset in the off season and getting my body back to um, full health leading into this big buildup that's about to start already into the Paris games. Yeah. Um, Another question from Neil Hastings. Do you have any ambition to do 70.3 or iron distance racing in the future? I get this question quite a bit. I I can see myself doing a 70.3. I don't know about Ironman yet, but I'm sure my mindset will change over time. But there's something about the um, this draft legal format that I really enjoy because um, it feels more like a race. Like you can, you know, hear each other's breaths, you know, like you, mm. you can like, you're, neck and neck a lot of times in most of these races um and that's an aspect of of this format of racing that i really like um but i'm sure in a few years i'll i'll within the next few years i'll probably dabble in a 70.3 and who knows if i'll go all the way to ironman <laughs> we'll see if i'll be like my parents one day <laughs> nice um Quite a few people asked on our Facebook page about uh, Vincent, and uh, I'm not necessarily going to ask you about that. But I guess y- your relationship, how, how has that changed um, you as a triathlete? Um, being with Vince, being on the road with him, um, 
and it's, he's obviously French, you're, you're American. What's that sort of done for, for your triathlon in terms of the way he does things and the French do things versus um, the, the, the American system? Um, I think just being with him every day and seeing how he operates has really um, shown me kind of the mindset you need to have in terms of how the top, one of the best athletes or triathletes in the world, you know, handles their day-to-day and their daily training and just even their his mindset going into races. It's, it's, it's been really inspiring. And, um, but in terms of like the French versus the U S aspect, uh, it's made me realize that I am also grateful for some of the things that USA triathlon has provided and really clear, clear criteria in terms of, you know, funding, whereas it seems a bit more political. Um, but also on the French side, it's also shown me how, how much support they have um, for the sport of triathlon in their country. Um, they have, this race called the French Grand Prix and, mm. and it, a lot of, you know, kids are involved and clubs are involved and it's pretty cool to see that he's such a, a celebrity in France. We go to Ikea and like someone at the store recognizes him, which would never happen in the U S. Yeah. So it's a really big sport there. And, um, it's pretty cool to see like what an impact he has on, on that community. Um, I wish we could do the same in the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, we're looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season unfolds and you kick in some butt uh, both in Super League and then uh, you know, heading into next year. Um, anything you want to get out there? Anything else you're doing or if people want to follow you or, or anything you want to get out there? <laughs> anything I want to get out there? Um I don't know. I'm just trying to get through these Super League races, and I, I might do Bermuda and Abu Dhabi. We'll see how how I feel energy-wise and how my body holds up. Um, and then I'll take a long vacation. As for where to follow me, you can. The best platform is probably Instagram. Uh, my handle is TK Spivey, and. Um, yeah, you can message me there or, you know, write me and my comments and I do my best to respond. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks so much for your time and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. John, was she gutted? She was gutted. I just started ranting away. <laughs> I just I turned off the recording. I go, John, was she gutted? He starts ranting away. I was like, I'm not recording. And I was oh, I'll get Okay, so tell me about it because because he was getting fired up, team. Well, the British and the Americans and the females is so hard to make the team. It's yeah. one of the problems with the Olympics in some ways, isn't it? Because, you know, Taylor could have been a gold medalist, mm-hmm. you know? There's an argument to say on her day in, in that race. And it's one of the downfalls of the Olympics. You don't always get the best athletes. And same luck in sprinting. Many, many sports yeah, yeah. Is, is the same. So try some countries are just dominant unique. in a sport. Mm. So really unfortunate for her. But it was a very tricky call because... The American team, which they went for, had really, really good balance, but you were gambling on Taylor uh, on Katie Zavera. So you, you had um, you had 
Summer Rappaport, who's was probably running the best out of anybody earlier in the year, but she's crap on the bike and she's a good swimmer. Okay. So you're covering your base there. If it comes down to the run, she's got a pretty good chance at a medal. Okay. And then you had Taylor Nib, who we this was prior to Collins Cup before she'd completely lit it up, um, and prior to her lighting it up on the ITU suit or the World Triathlon circuit. So she qualified before she'd kind of already she shown her. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and you're going, she could break away, and that could be a medal as well. So you're going, we've got the front of the race covered, and we've got the running only race covered, and then you go, Katie Zaveris, on her day could be an e- could do well in either of those situations but you just didn't know so so what worked against taylor um she she's n- hasn't got that many medals like she is normally often a sort of around a maybe a fifth place type getter okay um so she doesn't have like a killer run leg she's just good across all three she's a good swimmer she's a good biker she's a good runner but she probably wasn't going to get in a breakaway. And if it came down to a running race, there's quite a few others that okay. are on sort of par with her. Whereas Katie Zaveris has shown when she's on top form, she can run away from other groups. Okay. So there you felt so sorry for her because out of everybody, she was the one that got um, shafted by a long way. There was hey, some other, there devastating. Was, yeah, there's some other British um, females as well that were, should you know, could definitely argued to be there and the highly ranked athletes but Taylor Spivey um, when she was on form and they picked the other person that wasn't on form Is there an argument to say teams should be four? Um, the potential for four? Well Olympics is they, they don't want to have any more athletes, athletes on, on the, the start course. line okay. and Olympics is largely about inclusion um, so yeah very unfortunate You'd be devastated wouldn't you? So, but Cause, she's Because they had the Alien Cave as well didn't it remember? Yeah, she qualified. She qualified the spot. What happened to New Zealand as well? We had uh, we only took two males, and the third male I haven't heard boo from him since. Uh, Who's that? Uh, Sam Ward. So he hasn't done any racing this year that I've seen um, since not getting selected. So, and Australia's had lots of instances in this well, in Macca, the past. Macca's a good example, Macca wasn't didn't, didn't get to go because he won the world championship the year before, didn't he? No, he won ninety seven. Oh, okay. Um, Brad Bevan didn't get to go. He was towards the end of his career, but lots of athletes. Who so. went for the Australia that time? The first time round, I'm um, pretty sure it was Peter Robertson. Who was a good athlete? Greg Bennett, and maybe it was it was Carterfelt. No, it was um, it was either Carterfelt or no, maybe a bit before his time. Uh, there's another guy, Simon. Somebody he either went in 2000 or 2004. So but Australia were just because you know those three, the names you've named there are great athletes. Oh, they had just oodles of athletes. One year, the world champs. Might have been ninety nine. They got f- top five females in the and it was in, when it was in Montreal. They got one through five. I think it was definitely one through three. It might have been one through five. What happened to Australian triathlon? Uh, they're still good. Yeah, but come on, no, the, the, late nineties, two thousands, early two, you know nineties and two thousands. Well, they were just yeah. But we became an international sport when the Olympics came on, and the rest of the world uh, oh, all caught up. Okay. And runners, you know, you used to be able to get away with being a really good runner, but not a but spectacular. Then, you have to be a spectacular runner. Okay. Mm. Oh, that, well, that's good insight. Um, okay, John, let's get into Winger of the Week. Okay, John, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick seven. Seven, eh? Because I've got seven more days to go live in one. <laughs> Is that because uh, you like Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo so much and he's two goals? Seven? See, I, I, I did show some interest in that. Yes. Now, I didn't watch the game because the soccer bores the crap out of me. But 
But I got up in the morning, I went and tried to see what was happening. Yeah. And that was a superstar moment, wasn't it? It is. You know, and I went and tried to find his goals. And so that, that's a moment where, you know, it drew me to the sport that I'm not a big fan of. Well, Sean Carter, Carter is our wanger of the week this week. Oh, Sean book. Carter. Do you know him? Well, no, I, Sean, I do know Sean Carter. He ran, uh, he ran 21 hours and 46 minutes. He didn't do any swimming, didn't do any biking, but he ran 21 hours and 46 Sean minutes. Sean Carter's one of the most loveliest two, people you ever meet. Off two runs. He must have done some bloody ultra run somewhere. He must have. He's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not a big Strava person. So from February last year <laughs> through to sort of September this year, there is zero activities. He's, <laughs> he's obviously gone and got a new watch and all of a sudden cranked it and... What did he do last year that was so long? No, he ran around Mount Summers by the look of it. Uh, oh, last weekend. Yeah, but that was only 27 Ks. It's in the big it yards, took him he? 21 hours and 14 minutes. Sean's was a really nice guy. He was an ex-basketball player. I think he was quite a good basketball player. Like played for the Rams and stuff, which, you know, it's not NBA, but he's, he's, he was a pretty good basketball player. Oh, there we go. We'll go, we'll go. It says when you watch dies before you finish your run, watch... It says 20 hours plus, but it was only about eight hours plus. So we're going to have to pick another one. But he still did a fantastic run there. I and mean, he's a really cool guy. Sean's a really nice guy. Yep. Yeah, top pick, guy. Pick another number, one to 100. Um, 100. 100. Oh, Jesus, did I even get in there? I got 60 seconds. Oh, that's so far this week. <laughs> um, go back to next week, last week, last week. Number 100, 100 is, oh, wait a second, I'll get myself. <laughs> Kylie Cox. Good old, the, the chicken, chicken burger, what, what, what's her name? <laughs> Check. The check is not the chicken burger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kylie, good old Kylie Cox. The Colonel, that's what she is. The Colonel. The, the hot chick is a hot chick. The 100. Oh, she's got a private bloody profile. Oh, so come on, Kylie. Come on, open up to us, Kylie. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, the last four weeks. Who best half marathon time? 115. Jeez, Kylie, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, She averaged four runs per week uh, the last four weeks. Beats my f- average of three per week. The fastest 5K is 12.35. Holy smokes. <laughs> She's a legend runner. 28.50 in the 10K. Average five rides um, per week the last week. Nice work. Had a pretty flat. 11 uh, hours and 37 minutes. She even got back in the pool last week for a 21-minute swimming. We've got the stupid <laughs> roll in Christchurch. <laughs> so we've, we've gone from what we in New Zealand we call a level three lockdown, which is... Pretty much, still pretty, like still pretty, down. pretty can't really do much. Level two and level two, you kind of have little things going on, and you got to socially distance. And I know that everybody around the world's had pool lockdowns, and I'd rather they just shut our public pools here than have them open because at the moment you're allowed one person per lane, and it's just stupid. And it's, you're saying there's no real booking system either. No booking system. So, so you got to go and hope there's a lane, and if not, sit by the lane for the person to finish. Yeah. So it's apparently somebody went nuts oh, at the really? lifeguards yesterday. <laughs> what happened? Uh, well, he got out to go to the toilet. Do we, do we name a name? No. Uh, he got out to go to the toilet. He came back. Somebody had taken his lane. Oh. And apparently, he just lost his rag. Uh, so Kylie, good to see you back swimming. Twenty-one minutes of swimming last week. Eight hours and 26 of biking and two hours of 14, 49 minutes of running for 11 hours and 37 minutes. And oh, she just pipped a few others. Tim Beastie Besant was 99th and Rob Dallymore was in 98th. So nice work, Kyle. Okay, website of the week. Okay, good old Peter Colson sent through the links to the Olympic distance races that happened a few weeks ago. So the YouTube clips, so you've got both the men's and the female's race full coverage. And it's great because you go back to the old coverage, you don't have the commentary. 
No. Which so, is stupid. Where is this? Here's the commentary. It is, and it's on the Olympic Channel. And so I would suggest you go. There's some really cool coverage on the Olympic Channel. You miss think anything you miss at the Olympics. Mm, it's great. They're going to have it on there. They've got little highlights. And the cool thing is on there as well, they've got little clips on how sports work if you're going oh, and watching something you don't know. So I don't really know much about skateboarding. Like I used to skateboard as a kid and I was, you know, really Did you ever drop in? I dropped in. Did yeah. you really? No, we, we skated a lot. Yeah, wait um, a second. You've never told me this. No, no, no we did a lot. Um, I skateboarded down Monksburg every day to get to school. Did that you was, really? It, you have to zigzag across the road. I'm sure we infuriated plenty. Do you reckon of you could do that? If I gave you a thousand dollars, you had No, I'm willing to give you a thousand dollars to try. I don't even know if I could do an ollie these days. You used to be able to do kickflip ollies and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh wow, John, you used to be able to do it. Yeah. So I don't know how. Wait, to, so you dropped in? Could you do like? Uh, not on the big stuff. Okay. Yeah, not on the big stuff. Like yeah. the one, they used to have a big one out at Kiri 2. Yeah. Dropped in there once. <laughs> shit, my pants. <laughs> it had about, it had a certain amount of vert. vert that was, that was, yeah, that was massive. That was pretty scary. They went at Hagley High School, remember? Sorry? They went at Hagley High School. Right. Yeah. It wasn't as big, but the one at Kiri 2 was pretty big. Yeah. Anyway, all the Olympic stuff's on there, including the triathlon. So it's uh, on YouTube. Go to the Olympic channel. And thanks for Peter Colson for pointing out that it's on there. And for those of you that didn't have the same commentators that we had in New Zealand and sort of the generic commentary, you can go on there and you can hear the gruff voice of the Irish guy. Um, and was he good? <laughs> no, not really. He had a cool <laughs> voice. But, but both of them, yeah, they got thrown under the bus. They knew nothing about triathlon which was pretty frustrating. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating. Okay, your swim set. So wait a second. Your swim set, this is from last week. I, I got back in the pool last did, week. Did you go more than 30 minutes? Well, Because based a, on your time, it looked like it did. I went to a private complex. Oh, so then, private uh, pool? Who's, who's this? Aquagym. Oh. So then they were pretty relaxed. But I did still have a lane to myself. So this is just a set to ease back into swimming. If any of you are coming down, you Aussies, hopefully you guys might come out of lockdown and get back swimming at some stage soon. Not looking that promising, but hopefully you can. So I thought, get back in, take it nice and easy. Started out with 1,000 metres where I was doing 200 metres free, 25 back, 25 breast. Didn't want to overload the shoulders too much there. 300 metres of drills and then did 5,100 steady, 100 IM, 5,100 steady, 100 IM. So Kiwis, if you're easing back into the pool, all of that was cruisy. Um, it would take a couple of weeks to, to sort of get the arms back over and didn't want to blow the shoulders out. So that was my swim from last week. Okay, good times rock and roll. Okay, John, let's just go into patrons. We've got a new patron, Ryan Smith. Now he's what? raced, oh, what? I don't know if he's new, but I don't, couldn't find a nickname for him. Um, oh. So we're going to give him a nickname for Ryan Smith. What do we need to know about Ryan? Well, he did 70.3 Santa Cruz at the weekend, finished sixth in his age group. Love your work. Qualifying for the next 70.3 World Championships. Uh, ran a 123. Solid. That is smoking. So plenty of ultras. He's done doing the new Ironman California in October. Where is that in California? It's in Sacramento. We're very close to it. Okay. Uh, he's based in Northern California and he needs a name. I, can't, I, I did the old uh, darts generator oh, at Sky Sports Start and it came up with Ryan Ruthless. Smith. I actually like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like Ryan. it. The ruthless. He's ruthless on the run. He comes down and he's going to nail you with the fast runs, but 123 is very solid. I was going to go Agent. Okay. Agent Smith from The Matrix. Right. Did you like The Matrix? No, not really. Really? No. No, it didn't. I tell you what I'm re reading, which I'm really enjoying at the moment, is uh, the Nike book on. Oh, like you feel Knight. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. God. They very nearly went out of business just about every whole year. Yeah, yeah. It was a fascinating read, isn't it? Because yeah. the book kind of finishes before Jordan. Yeah. So, like, it finishes in the early 80s. So, it's kind of just showing the first part of the, their journey. Uh, yeah, they were always on a knife stage, weren't they? That's great. Yep. Haven't yeah. finished yet, though. I'm reading The, the Stand by Stephen King. Mm. 
the book is <laughs> probably the bookest book I've ever read. <laughs> it's like because you know you got to do you read a Kindle. Yeah, yeah. So you, I, I try not to have it show. It shows you how much your time and chapter and stuff. But occasionally, you, you can just see how much time you got. I've I've been reading it for like three or four months, mm. and I've still got like thirty hours of reading to go. <laughs> like it's uh, no, I am enjoying it, but jeepers creepers, it's a mission. Okay, so Ryan Ruthless Smith. We've also got Gavin the Big Brew Duffy and. Aiden, Mr. Moo Mulan. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. Go to the patron section, sign up, support the boys and what we do. Uh, you also get some gifts and go into a draw to win some prizes. If you want to get some cool coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com for my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com and other content such as age group a week, cool websites and other feedback, email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo. You goss. Ian Hersey, who won the goggles uh, oh, yeah? last week, he was stoked with those. Uh, so they're the Magic 5 goggles. He said it was a really cool process going through. And I saw Lucy Francis. She posted on um, our Facebook page. Uh, I put up a, a sort of a Frodo clip on there of him using the goggles. Yep. She said, do they fit small eye sockets? And that's one thing I would say if you have struggle, if you struggle with goggles, Worth, it's worth a try giving them a crack because it is scanned and they do sit inside your eyes a lot more than the big chunky goggles you sort of get on the standard market these days so Bevan my goss I did something interesting in the weekend where I did they had a New Zealand versus Australia Zwift series of races oh, okay. so Saturday you did how they, 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 they do the competition aspect of it well it was points based so wherever you finish you get a point for starting and then like first got X number of points and, and was it a pretty even split or was it lots more Australians well I don't I haven't actually seen the stats there was a lot of people racing anyway Okay. so First day was 47k race, uh, and I raced in A grade, and there's like pros in there, and I'm like, I've got no chance against these dudes, and the course, 15k, reasonably flat, hung in there for the first 15k, which was better than I thought I was going to do, and then ended up with a group, and it just ended up being standard race, okay. still pretty happy with that, it was yep. good, that was standard, day two though, this is where it got interesting, so if you guys are Zwifters, you had three races back to back, so it was like, kind of almost like doing a super league, yep. so it started for us at 11 o'clock. You had an 8K time trial, balls to the wall, max effort. How long did that take you? Uh, it was about 10 minutes or so, yeah. roughly. Um, <laughs> and then every half hour you had another race. So we started the first one at, at, at 11 o'clock. You finish at about 10 past 11. Next race starts at 11.30. So you got 20 minutes to sort of spin the, the legs over. The second race was a, an 8-kilometer crit criterium. So it was like yep. laps. Blew my ring piece out, just hung on to the group, and it was, it was teetering going into the last lap. My mind was going, you've done really well to get to this point, but I just managed to hang on, so I was quite happy about that. But you've effectively done two maximum sort of 10-minute efforts, yeah. and then the, you had, then the next, then you had a 20-minute break, and then you had another race, and thank God, it was, a, it was another 8K race, but the whole of A-grade decided to take it pretty comfortably. It was 8Ks. Who decided that? Just everyone... Well, just nobody attacked because it was it was an eight k ride, six k f- flat, and then two k, like full on, really, really, really steep. Yep. Uh, it was on the Bologna course, and it's sort of you're sitting at about fifteen percent, and plenty of places going yep. up there. So thankfully, I was like starting that race going, if the pace is on here, this is not going <laughs> to end well. And luckily, it was pretty cruisy, and then it was all on on the hill. How long does that two k take you? Um, well, to put in comparison, I think that. Ride took maybe about fifteen or fifteen minutes or so to yep. do the one with the hill, compared to the ones on the flat were like ten minutes. So it was it was a lot longer. So probably six minutes of climbing. Yeah, it was it was brutal. How'd you go overall? Um, I was 
I think there was usually about 80 or so in the starts and I think I finished like 49th in just about every race, yeah. which I was pretty pleased with. But power numbers for me were really, really good considering I hadn't been doing that much riding. So I was pleased. But it kind of gave you that feeling of what Super League is probably a little bit yeah, like. Yeah. Where you do a race. How did you feel like afterwards? We just blottoed? Pretty, pretty knackered. Well, I was, yeah, I, I was a little bit soft in the last minute to two minutes of the last race, which I was a bit disappointed with. Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was brutal, but it was, it was good fun. Even though I'm one of the weaker links in A-grade and it's just hanging on for dear life. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was cool. Really cool. Oh, that's exciting stuff. So that was my Sunday. And outside of that, Bevan, back to organising a race this weekend. I've got a postponed duathlon on. Got to do all these COVID protocols. going to be like a wave start, social distancing, all that sort of stuff. But it'll be good to be back doing some racing. Any other goss? Any other goss? No. Bevan, that was my big thing for the weekend. What's my goss, John? The problem in life right now is you're just a bit ticking over, aren't you? Mm. You know, it's just... You Don't just know what's around the corner. No. Uh, my book, my, oh, I got my book back from the editor. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. So we're just going through that process. Now I've got to read. I've, I've read my book about 20 times, John. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with my book, but yeah. I don't think I need to read it 20 times. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of doing that. Um, What's with the short track pants? Joe commented on these. I, I told her this is what the cool kids are doing. All right. So Bevan's here. He's got his. I am his a sponsored Reebok athlete, and yes. they send me clothes, and I do not complain about that. And so they probably go like 15 centimeters. Think of a pair, a pair of kind of high socks at a half high socks. Yeah. And that's where they stop. Now, that's yeah. what the kids are doing. Yeah. Thomas will probably start doing it too because you'll probably see me and go, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take some convincing. Joe was not convinced either. <laughs> no. But I said, John, you're not fashion. You know, yeah. young kids is what the young kids, you know, I can't help it, I'm fashion. I just get sent the gear from the Reebok and hashtag Reebok. Yeah. And uh, yeah. What is okay. my boss? John, have I got anything exciting happening in my life right now? That's, that's the problem. I don't even answer my book. Bloody album's taking forever to finish with the band, which is doing my head in. Um, we were meant to play live, but that's been two weeks from now. We're going to play live. All right. Yep. I think this will be the last time I'm not going to tell people. Okay. And then from there, I'm going to start telling people, come see us live. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been Stephen King's book. Uh, looking for a good series to watch. Hmm. Linda's watching this Aussie thing called Rake. Oh, that's with um, Guy Pierce. Is it Guy Pierce? No, it's the lawyers, isn't it? Yeah. Any good? Uh, you can come and go. Yeah, it's all right. We were watching How I Met Your Mother, which is a kind of a 20 minute. We, we, what we do to do is we have one drama mm-hmm. and then we do like a 20 minute. So, because often, like, depending on how much time we have at night, if you just want to watch 20 minutes of TV, we do want to watch 40 minutes or an hour. So, um, and, and How I Met Your Mother's. It's kind of like a, a more edgy friends, mm-hmm. um, but they have a character in it called Barney, who at his time was probably pretty funny, but a bit controversial Ooh, nowadays. Yeah. And then it's Neil, um, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, who the guy who was Doogie Howser? Oh, right. Yeah. And, but he's a real <laughs> sexist, misogynist male. Right. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of laugh, but then you think, you, you wouldn't, this show would not. And it was, it's only like, te- you know, I think it probably finished in, you know, 2015, something like yeah. that. So it's only like six years old, but yeah. uh, you, you, times have changed quickly, John. They have. Times have changed. That show would be cancelled nowadays, I tell mm. you. So we'll be watching that. And then Drum, we have started watching Dr. Def. Have you watched that? Uh, we watched a couple of those. They're okay. Yep, yeah, we didn't carry on with it. We got maybe two or three episodes in. We're about three in. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's okay. Well, so what's your, what's your drama then? What drama am I watching? Yeah, we don't necessarily divide by drama, comedy. 
Don't you? We just watch. I, I generally just watch whatever Blonde puts on. Uh, you're good like that. Yeah. What was the other one we just started watching? It was, it was Guy Pearce. It was one, and he is a lawyer. What the hell is it called? Jack Irish. Are, are they good? Yeah, okay. Yep, easy. You're not really, you're not selling it, are you? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, it was, I was going to give you a tip then, but I can't remember which one it was. Have you seen Succession? You've got to watch Succession. I think so. And what do you got? Do you have Netflix here? Uh, we yeah we sort of move around cancel one start another yeah one. yeah because I think on Neon Net Succession highly recommend okay highly put that to, to the committee that's a that's probably the best drama I've seen in a couple of years there we go so there you go that's, that's our tips of the week John okay. John that's, that's when you know life sucks is when you're talking about TV mm. oh what are you watching yeah <laughs> because I have nothing else happening. yeah pretty much <laughs> I'm Russ oh, oh you, you finished <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had enough <laughs> you finished things a lot I mean don't train hard train smart kia